Hey, happy Monday. It's March 18th. This is Matt Trueblood. We're all the way down to 10 days until opening day, so this should be a really exciting time, but kind of nothing really happened this weekend, uh, which is fine. That's the way spring training is supposed to be. The stories are about what's been happening and how teams are looking as they get ready to break camp, uh, rather than at this point about the lingering free agents and things. It's still a bummer that so many free agents are floating out there. The number is coming down every day, and it's just getting more and more conspicuous that it's essentially Dallas Keuchel and Craig Kimbrell. Uh, we saw Carlos Gonzalez hook on with the Indians on a minor league deal this weekend, and he essentially slides into the place given up by Matt Joyce, who isn't going to make the Indians roster. Cleveland's just sort of throwing things at the wall in the outfield right now. It's not a dreadful idea. They've got some interesting talent there. They could have been a whole lot more proactive about solving this problem, but they're committed to this this general you know, strategy at this point. So bringing in Gonzalez is as good a step in that direction as any. I suppose. Uh, the other big news of the weekend was the Blue Jays deciding to boost the pay of all of their minor leaguers by at least 50%, which is a big deal. Uh, I'm not convinced it goes far enough, and I'm not convinced that one team doing this will break the ice and push others in that direction. Um, I also think it's perhaps conspicuous that it's the Blue Jays who did this, not because they're particularly bound or affected by any differences in Canadian labor law from that of the United States. All of their minor leaguers, I believe, still play in the United States or in the Dominican Republic. Uh, so it's not necessarily that they're impacted in that way, but it may just be more advisable that they stay in the good graces of the government and the general political culture um, and that may require them to do this a little bit sooner than their American counterparts uh, but I do think this is one step and one team won't always get the ball rolling that was sort of true in a quiet way of the statistical revolution you know Moneyball is what made the whole thing famous and really started the game revolutionizing very quickly but the A's weren't the originators of almost anything that we call Moneyball. The Indians were uh, and the A's sort of copied their model and then other teams sort of started to pick up on what was happening. By the time the book came out the Red Sox had already adopted the same model. The Yankees had picked up a lot of those processes without necessarily following the same management strategy and we were off to the races so one team is not a critical mass for this kind of a change in this industry but if it's a particularly successful change or if just one or maybe two other teams does knuckle under and make the same change we could see it take off in a hurry and that is something to be hopeful about because even if this increase doesn't raise minor league salaries to the point that we might envision them getting one day. It's a positive step. It 
continues the conversation. It removes some of the excuses that other teams have for not doing the same thing. And it could position even the players' union to take up the cause of minor leaguers at the next CBA to say, hey, these changes are coming. They're happening because of pressure from outside the game. They're happening because you yourselves, owners and team executives, understand that there are benefits to it. We'll work with you to ensure that those minor league salaries don't explode in a way that you're trying very hard to avoid if you meet us halfway. I'm not overly optimistic on any of those points, but I do think this can't be bad on any level. Pivoting sort of away from the news, though, and I guess toward what will be the news of this week. The A's and Mariners are in Japan getting ready for their season opening series, the first two games of the calendar that actually count. Um, And the big story is going to be Ichiro. There's a wonderful highlight this morning uh, of the game that they, I believe, just wrapped up an exhibition game between Seattle and a Japanese team in which Ichiro, just on a fairly routine, fairly deep fly ball to right center field, caught it and pegged it to third base to hold a runner, stop them from advancing, made the throw on the fly. I'm not sure if it was 100% necessary, but it was a wonderful thing to see, to hear the announcers, to hear the crowd and see the way the players on the field reacted. It's just very cool. This is the last time we're going to see Ichiro on an MLB field, even though, of course, it's not technically an MLB field. You know what I mean. This is the last time we'll see him on this stage. And it was great to see that he can still do some things that just wow everybody. It's a touching moment. But when the actual games get started, most of the focus is going to shift toward the A's. Uh... There aren't a lot of people, and I don't think I'll be among the few, uh, who are picking the A's to return to the playoffs this year. Their 96 wins from last year were impressive and delightful and exciting in a lot of ways, not necessarily sustainable. Uh, And coming into this season, most of the projection systems have them hovering around 500, which would obviously be a huge step backward. The one thing, well, there there is more than one thing. We can talk about how some of their hitters are not beloved of any of these projection systems, and they may be better than those systems are giving them credit for, especially Matt Chapman and Matt Olson at the corner infield spots. But the big thing that could really change the outlook for the team is probably the starting pitching, and specifically this duo of Jesus Lizardo and A.J. Puck. Depending on who you ask, these are either the two or two of the top, let's say, half-dozen left-handed starting pitching prospects in the minor leagues right now. Lizardo probably won't open the season with the A's, but probably will be up within, let's say, a month. I think in their perfect world, it would be a bit longer, but... Uh, But this isn't a perfect world, and the A's rotation is pretty far from perfect, even by this world's standards. 
Here's the catch and the interesting part. Puck had Tommy John surgery last spring. And right now, there's no talk that he is close to a return to game action in a way that would put him on a big league field any time in the next, let's say, two months. He's never been to the big leagues before anyway, so the A's have the luxury of taking it easy without burning service time. Always an important consideration when trying to predict what teams are going to do, even if it's not something we would take into consideration if we were trying to influence what they do. But the broader point isn't about service time in Puck's case. It's about the time that teams afford to players to recover from Tommy John. And I read an interesting article this weekend by Dennis Lynn of The Athletic about Anderson Espinoza and Chris Paddock, two Padres uh, pitching prospects who had Tommy John about a year apart at sort of an awkward part of the baseball calendar. Uh, toward the end of July, I believe. And the point that Lynn's article made, beyond exploring the sort of friendship and camaraderie that the two share in the way that Espinoza is following a path that Paddock has already blazed, since Paddock looks like he'll, if not break camp with the Padres, then be there very, very soon. The more interesting thing that jumped out to me was that both of those guys went about 20 or 21 months between having surgery and pitching again in competitive games. And this is becoming something closer to the industry standard than it's ever been before. It's still a little longer than usual, especially if an older pitcher or a more experienced, established pitcher undergoes the procedure, they'll return a little more quickly. Again, some of that having to do with the fact that service time's a waste in. But uh, Paddock's recovery was really smooth, and he's now knocking on the door of the major leagues in a way that I don't think anyone expected when he underwent the surgery. Espinoza seems to be coming back about as well as could be expected, and he's not quite on the fast track yet, but a strong showing after his first month or so. I, I think their target date is to get him out to Lake Elsinore in the California League in May. If he has a great month or so there, he could be in double A by the All-Star break, and then he is sort of right on the cusp of the big leagues. There are other pitchers throughout baseball who are doing the same thing, and there are a lot of pitchers, especially young guys, who haven't yet reached the majors. Not only Puck, but Brent Honeywell, among others, who are in sort of the same lane this spring. They had their surgeries at the more typical time of year last March, and now they're eyeballing a return, or in many cases a debut, in the majors sometime in the first half. But whereas Tommy John surgery originated as a procedure that took a couple of years to return from, that time span shortened and shortened and shortened and for a long time, it was considered the means of advancing the state of the art was to shorten the actual time lost to the surgery. That's radically changed at this point, and it's been changing for a while. We know Scott Boris, with Matt Harvey especially, pushed for 
a little more recovery time than perhaps as the team itself wanted to allow. It's not about having a less ambitious timeline for a return. It's about having one that sets the pitcher up to succeed and to stay healthy when they do retake the mound. And I think teams are deciding that there are a lot of guys who will benefit from extra time, from not rushing back, from getting, even if you have that surgery in March and you have the chance to get right back on a mound after 13 months, push it out to 16, keep the foot off the gas pedal for a little while, and let the feel return right alongside the stuff. Let the pitcher feel strong and in control and not like they're trying to make up for anything by the time they're facing live hitters again. Whether or not that strategy is going to work for everyone is far from clear. As much as we celebrate the advancements in medicine and in injury prevention or at least injury mitigation among pitchers, the fact is that it's still a field that is changing radically and developing on uncertain tracks to this day. But it's going to be very interesting to see a couple of teams who don't have a lot of money to spend on alternatives and do have competitive aspirations for the coming season that seem somewhat limited by their current rotation depth in the Rays and A's. We'll see how they handle the likes of Puck and Honeywell. And again, these aren't the only two examples in baseball, but they happen to be the two most prominent at the moment. The future of Tommy John surgery and whether we prize getting the pitcher back onto the mound or getting them in a position to stay on and succeed on the mound is going to be an interesting thing to watch over the coming season. Have a good one. We'll talk to you tomorrow.